Here begins sun incertidumbre, a place where not having certainties is not a fault, it's an opportunity. Mental health professional Francisca Venegas invites you to be part of a conversation about mental health, self-care, and much more. Hello, everyone. This is Franny from your podcast, Sana Incertidumbre. I always tell you that I love that you can hear these words in Spanish, but just to a little bit of reminder, it means safe uncertainty. Today, we have Lelia Jimenez. I'm pronouncing her last name in a Latin accent, but she lives in New York. She's a mother of three, and she also did a master's in human resources at her time. And then, because of things that she's going to explain, she had a shift in her career and became a stay-at-home mom. But then she also started helping other women with their business plans and also the life balance, being a mom, being an entrepreneur, and she became a goal strategist in her life and also helping other people. Today, we are going to talk about how to have a life balance and all of the also stereotypes that are around being a mother, being a stay-at-home mom, and how can you deal with all of that and all your plans. So, Lelia, <laughs> how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's a great topic, and I'm so excited to keep spreading the word about it and helping other people kind of grab it and and pursue their goals and their dreams. Thank you so much for being here. And also, I don't know where you're listening us from, but in the U.S. or at least in New York and in Chile, we had Mother's Day just last Sunday. So it's an amazing topic to also be uh, recording this week. So I wanted to know a little bit more about yourself. You mentioned that you were a mother of three. And how did that journey started? Because I think your kids have very different ages also. Right. So I had my first child when I was 21. So I now have a 14-year-old who's soon to be 15. Um, and it's interesting too, because the journey of motherhood is so many different stages. So I've been a single mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom. You know, I'm a working mom. I've done, you know, a little bit of all of the different juggling. So my motherhood journey started at 21 with my um, my oldest. Um, when she was about nine turning 10, I got pregnant with my middle child. Um, and then 11 months later, I got pregnant with my son. So my it's funny enough because the I was young, 21. I, that was my first planned pregnancy. And then the other two kind of weren't in my plan, but they were in God's plan. And they just, you know, came when they came and kind of switched the balance. So like you said, you know, I, I started as a single mom, 21. I finished my degree in psychology. I got my bachelor's of science in psychology. And the first job that I got was working in a children's psych hospital. And it was too much for me because you know, working with the young kids and, you know, all the trauma and the heartbreak as a mom, I it couldn't detach from it. And I was bringing all that stuff home with me, you know, the sadness and wanting to help everybody. So I went back to school. I got my master's in human resource management with the idea of putting the right people in contact with wherever they belong in an organization. So that was a little bit of a struggle for me watching these kids who had people that were working in a hospital who didn't really you know, they were just clocking in and clocking out. They didn't really care too much about them. And you could tell, you know, that facility was actually closed by the Office of Mental Health because it was just doing that poorly. 
But from there, I realized, you know, my real passion was making sure that people are in the right places where they're supposed to be in a professional setting. So I went on to get the Master's of Human Resource Management. And um, along that journey, I did meet my husband at that first hospital. So we got married a couple of years later. Um, I'm working in another hospital, a really good organization, and um, working full time. I have my oldest, was my only child at the time, um, and taking full time classes to get the Master's of Human Resource Management. I graduate and then I find out that I'm pregnant with my middle child. So it was kind of another struggle that I think a lot of women face when it was time to come back from maternity leave. The cost of childcare was so incredible that it didn't pay for me to go to work, send my child to daycare, pay all of the money to send them there. And we made the decision for me to, you know, stay at home with her. So I was going to stay home for one year and then go back to work. And when my middle child turned 11 months old, I found out I was pregnant with my son. So now I'm like, okay, well, maybe one more year home. And now I have a 14 turning 15 year old, a five year old and a three year old. So I've been home essentially for five years as a stay at home mom. But um, what I realized being home with the two young children back to back and then having to get my oldest to and from school. My husband is at work all day. He's in construction. So he's leaving the house at three, four in the morning to go to a job site, working until very late in the evening. I was home kind of isolated, no adult contact two small children, an older child, and it was a lot for me to handle. But I realized that the biggest struggle that I faced was I wasn't taking care of myself. So I'm so busy doing all these things. And then, you know, there's resentment too. You know, I went to school, I worked so hard. I had all of these big plans and career goals. And now I'm home with these children that I love to death, but it wasn't necessarily in what I thought was my plan. So I started doing these self-care events to connect with other women and kind of put a safe place where they could kind of do their own thing, focus on themselves as an individual. And a woman wrote me a lovely email at the end of that event. And at that point, I was just a stay-at-home mom having an event just to connect with other women. She said, I'm not a mom, but I was raised by a single woman. And it's so important, the work that you're doing. And she thanked me for having the event and told me how you know important everything that I said was. And it really stuck with me. So then I started an Instagram page to give some inspiration, some motivation. And from there, more women reached out. And then I said, you know what, maybe I should go ahead and start with the coaching. Because what I really wanted to do was teach women how you can have it all. You can pursue your personal and professional growth and development. Just because you become a mom, just because you become a wife, doesn't mean that, you know, it stops there. And that's something that a lot of us get caught up in. And it's really just how society works and the daily hustle and bustle you don't stop to focus on your goals and dreams anymore because you have to work nine to five you have to take care of your children you want to make sure that your marriage is you know safe and secure so you're doing everything there and we lose sight of what we want to do for ourselves so then this coaching business was kind of birthed and and that's where I am now you know riding that journey such an impressive journey and you had also a pandemic during all that, that time And I was thinking, what do you think that Lelia of 18 is thinking about the journey? Because you said that maybe you didn't have this as a plan. I don't know if you always imagine having three kids, but maybe not in that moment. But how do you think that 18-year-old that was not a mom yet sees you now? And it's like, oh my God, she's doing coaching to women about being a mother, about being an entrepreneur. Was that too far away from what you imagine yourself doing? 
Absolutely. My grandmother was a nurse. My mother is in pharmaceutical sales. So it was kind of always a push to do something in the medical field. So I actually spent my first year of college in nursing school and I completely failed out, flunked out. I was not invested in it, didn't want to do it at all. That's how I ended up coming back and getting the degree in psychology because it was interesting to me the way, you know, human behavior and, and, and how the mind works. So yeah, at 18, I had no idea that this would be the course of my life. But in retrospect, sitting here now, I would think that 18-year-old me would be so proud of where I am. And that's something that a lot of women and mothers don't take time to do either is acknowledge how far you've come and that you should actually be you know, proud of yourself. So especially when you're in a helping profession, which I'm sure you understand, you know, we work tirelessly to help other people lift them up and, and make sure that everybody is safe and secure. But it's hard to remember to focus on taking a moment and putting that into yourself. And you know what, when the accolades are due, giving yourself a pat on the back too. So I think she would definitely be proud of me. And um, yeah, I think she would be proud. That's a good uh, idea to have it because you have been not a mom for a longer time. So it's important to also have that Lelia here. Right. And, and also because of what you were saying, like sometimes we feel frustrated during the process of something that we are creating, but then actually we put it on track again and we make a different sense of it. But sometimes we also feel, right. mm, I don't know if this is what I wanted to do with my life, but now is what I want to do. So yeah, maybe you didn't think about this in the beginning and then life happened and, and you reorganize it. Uh, the, the other thing that you mentioned when you were presenting yourself is that you started working after you graduated, um, helping kids. I don't know how old were they, the children you work with? So the children, it ranged from ages five through 17. And that was tough. You know, at that time, I did have a four-year-old. So it was kids around the same age as my child, you know? And that was me. I ended up working on a very tough unit with the children that had very big behavioral issues. And it was girls that were around the age of like 12, 13. So I think that was hard for me too, because I could see a lot of myself in them, you know, the frustration and things that they were going through. But that's a, a tough age to not have, you know, a good mother figure or to have no connection with your family and be kind of fostered out. So it was, it was tough, but it, it was a very rewarding experience. And it taught me a lot about myself, especially as a parent as someone who wants to make sure that I'm setting the best example for others because you know it, it gets easy to get selfish too you know we want to focus on ourselves and do our own thing but it takes a different kind of thought process to make sure that how you actually conduct yourself and what you put out into the world is something that's going to be kind of for the greater good or your higher purpose and I did learn that there and then you decided to well now Instead of working with kids, you're working with the moms. Yes. How has that feel, uh, having uh, that shift also in the population you're working with? Now you're working with the people that have the little kids or older kids also. Yeah, It, it's been a big shift, but I learned that that's a part of the journey too. So thinking that you want to do one thing and then realizing I do want to help people, but maybe not this population in this capacity. So you know what? I just had a light bulb go off to in helping mothers strike a better balance. Maybe somewhere down the line, I am helping children as well because their mothers are able to provide for them in a sense that they might not have been able to without being able to balance in a way that we're working on. So it's, it's definitely been a different shift. I had a woman 
I had a first experience. Someone who did not yet have children signed up for three months of coaching because she wants to have children. Young woman, very, you know, very hustler spirit. She's doing it all, but she wants to have kids. And she said, you know what? You seem to have it all together, you know, with the balance. So I want to work with you so that when I'm ready to have kids, I kind of have an understanding of how to juggle it all. And that was a huge compliment. And I let her know right off the bat, you know, I am still learning every day too, you know, so I can share things based on my experience. I can listen to what you're going through and I can help guide you based on what your individual needs are. But motherhood is a journey that, I mean, till the day that we leave this earth, we're still constantly learning. Exactly. What a beautiful experience also to be also contacted by someone that is thinking, okay, this world is not going to make it easy for me. Right. To continue maybe the things I'm doing and also to become a mother. That's something that I want. And I think it's very beautiful that we are aware of that because it's true. It's not that we are failing. It's that society makes it harder. Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, we're going to struggle more. And not only because of, like you mentioned, like daycare could be so expensive, but also about how we feel about ourselves. How do I feel being a stay-at-home mom? I don't know how was that experience for you to realize, okay, I'm a stay-at-home mom, not for one year, Maybe for three. Five now. So it, it was hard. And I'll tell you, the, the light bulb went off about the fact that I'm not practicing self-care properly because I had a cousin who she always used to check in, but she doesn't have children. She's actually my kid's godmother. But she said, you know, you know, she wanted to go out to lunch. She wanted to go out to dinner. Let's just go for a drink. And I always, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. You know, the, I'm breastfeeding and I can't, you know, I can't leave my husband home for too long with the kids because, you know, then... You know, that's a part of motherhood too, right? You 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 might pump, but then when you're out, then, you know, your breasts are engorged. There's always something still, you know, hanging in the balance. And I realized I was kind of making excuses. Why? Because some people will look and say, oh, well, you have a newborn and you're out or you have an infant and you're out. You know, people do judge and society is tricky that way. So for me, one of the best things that I ever realized was the fact that I'm not playing by my own rules and I'm not living my life in a way that is helping me or helping my children if I'm stressed out or sad or resentful until we realize to let go of those, you know, what we think society wants from us as a wife, as a mother, then you can kind of do your own thing and let your journey be a beautiful journey for you as an individual. Because that was a big struggle for me too, making sure that when my husband came home from work, there was a hot meal on the table And then he is too tired because, you know, he's been at work all day. So maybe he doesn't want to sit down to eat. Now my feelings are hurt because I prepared this beautiful dinner and you get caught up in it. It doesn't have to be that intense. It doesn't have to be so stressful. If we let go of what we think we're supposed to be doing based on society, three meals cooked, because I'm a stay at home mom. So I can't order in food. I have, I'm home. I can cook. Right. But you know what? Maybe it's not convenient for me to cook. Maybe in the morning I had a hard morning with the two little ones and I want to walk up the street and have a bagel, you know? But we get so caught up in what people will think of us if we're not doing something. And the reality is too, when the door closes, it's you alone in your home to deal with yourself. So whatever you think that people are judging or looking from the outside, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, you know? And that's when striking balance comes in. And I think it's interesting when you say about balance, maybe some people that are listening to us, they are thinking about perfect balance, about being a perfect stay-at-home mom, but also perfect entrepreneur, but also perfect wife, but also perfect mother of somebody that's going to be 15 and then five and then three. 
And it's not about perfection because if it's perfection, of course it's impossible. Like if you're going to have three or four meals and maybe you have a kid with food allergies, so you have to also be very aware of that. And then uh, your self-care or maybe you want to put makeup or take a shower and then walks. Okay, 30 minutes of exercise. And then, and then, and then, of course it's impossible. And I love that you said that about adapting. That was me. Yeah. How was that? That was me. It, it was horrible because it is impossible. You cannot do it all. So who suffers? First, you suffer because I feel ugly. I don't have on any makeup. I'm I'm not exercising. I gained so much weight and I can't take care of myself because I have to invest all the energy in taking care of my children first. Then I want to make sure that my home is taken care of. When is there time when those 24 hours fly by to take care of yourself? You don't have it. But perfection is impossible. There is no such thing as perfection. It's an unachievable goal. So once we also let go of that, then it's easier to kind of flow with, I have to do what works best for me and my household. But it, it was hard. That's when I realized I really have a problem because who told me that I had to cook three meals a day? Nobody told me I had to do that. Who told me that I couldn't say, you know what? I need 20 minutes to shower by myself. Every time I'm up, my brother gave me a card. Oh my God, it's sitting right here. It says, today, for Mother's Day, today I hope you get to pee without an audience, right? Very accurate, yeah. I know that it's an impossible wish, but you deserve it. Yes, but you deserve it. And that's the thing. I remember being so frustrated because every time I go to the bathroom, my kids are all in the bathroom and then maybe my husband is in the next room. Like, hey, you couldn't watch them for me so I could go to the bathroom in peace. Who told me you don't close the door and lock it? What is going to happen on the other side of that door in the five minutes that you're using the bathroom. But that's on me. I have to accept responsibility for that. You can't be mad because other people aren't thinking about that. You have to take care of yourself. And these are little things that we think maybe we don't deserve or maybe it's not necessary or oh, everybody is struggling with the same thing. But until we carve out that time for ourselves, you're never going to have it because nobody's going to give it to you. Now, society will tell you what you're supposed to be doing, but they're not going to help you do it either. So it's on you to realize what is a unnecessary balance for yourself. And everybody's balance is different. My balance for me lately has been, I don't care if I don't cook three meals. I don't care if I don't cook one meal. I don't care if I put nuggets in the, the toaster that were in the freezer and tell my husband when he comes home, no, I'm sorry, I'll order you something, but I can't do it. And before I used to look at that as failing, right? I'm not doing my job. But then you do realize too the hard way after you've done everything perfectly, you still don't feel that sense of joy that you should feel when everything is perfect because you are always still missing. And making everything perfect for everyone else throughout the day, Lalia was always losing out on something. Whether it was that 10 minutes to shower, whether I didn't get to work out because I was too busy doing everything else and now everybody else is sleeping but I can't go do what I need to do for myself. And it's kind of in your head. You have to set those standards and those boundaries for yourself because nobody else is going to do it for you. You will lose trying to make everything perfect for everyone else. You're the only one that's going to suffer. I think society and with society, I mean, stereotypes and also uh, sexism did a very amazing job in making women put pressure on themselves. Because, yeah, maybe your husband is not telling you cook me three meals, but you are doing that to yourself. And it's not uh, an invention. It's not like you are the only women in the world that think that. It's society did that for so many decades that now that's like what is left. And 
we added more things. Okay, but now also I need to be a good professional. And also I need to have an Instagram account. Right. And also, and also, and also. And I love the example you mentioned about the, the toilet and, and having the door closed or not. Because there was another adult there. There were not three kids alone to this, in despair. There was another adult. So just we feel, but I'm the mother. I should be the one. Exactly. And then we get frustrated because now this is the norm that we've created in our household. I'm not saying he's off the hook. I'm saying that it's up to us to say, oh, you know what? This doesn't work for me anymore. Same thing, right? Financial self-care. My household, it was always my husband got paid. He sent me all the money. I'm managing all the bills. That is on top of raising two children under two, a child who's going to elementary school, my own issues. My child that was in elementary school at the time was suffering from serious anxiety and, and her own stress and her own emotional issues from not having a relationship with her father. There are countless things that come into play, you know, but that was something that it was just normal in my house. So now I have the bills. I have, you know, taking care of the kids. I have trying to make a marriage perfect. I have I'm taking classes still to do things. I have to be the one to say, you know what? This doesn't work for me anymore. Instead, I rode that kind of wave. It's like the stages of guilt or grief, rather. You know, I, I'm upset about this. You're angry. You're sad. Then you realize, you know what? I wasn't really angry or sad. What I was feeling actually was disappointment in something. We set these standards. So same thing, the bills. Why do I have to manage all the bills too? Because I'm home. That was my own thing. That doesn't have to be my reality here. You know what? Because it doesn't work for me. And after being with someone for a certain amount of time, we have to also give ourselves grace and say, you know what? What worked for me at the age of 21 is not working at 36. And we have to make that change. That's another way you strike balance. If it's not working, it needs to go. And it's so hard to let go all habits. But what you mentioned was, was very important. You are 21. Don't want the same things in life don't have the same energy. You could even have more, but you have other priorities. You have other ways. And sometimes we use the same techniques or strategies to manage a stress or anxiety our whole lives. And sometimes they don't work because we need to update them. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention uh, for people who are listening to us is that moms, um, female moms, have been so good at raising kids or to handle all of these things that we need to do that we have become experts So yes, sometimes when dads or other uh, caretakers are trying to help, they are going to be more clumsy. They are going to not do the things that how we were going to do it. But it's also because the expertise, like you have, um, I think your oldest is almost 15. You have 15 years of experience being a mom and your husband has less. And he has less, not only because his child is 14 or three or five, it's because you have more time to try to figure out the style, what are you going to do? So sometimes dads also do the same, like, oh, but you know best. Yeah, but learn or try your style, you know? Also, like you mentioned, that's when the societal roles come into play because men don't have to get up at night with the babies, right? Because, and that was a thing too. Oh, I'm breastfeeding. So every time the baby cries at night, oh, she's hungry. So I get it. I have to get up. That's not how it actually needs to be. So that's also more of those societal roles coming in and people thinking, you know what, I'm doing my job. Um, my job is to be here to support you or just to be a male figure in the home, where in reality, 
you can get up. And, there's milk that I've pumped. It's in the fridge. You can get up and heat up a bottle and say, don't worry about it. I'll take this shift or take on bathing the children at night. You know, there's different things, but it's that we have this breakdown. It's, it's yes, we are experts, but almost because we have to be at this point, you know, and then that is hard too, because yes, we can show them, we can let them be clumsy. Part of that is, and I'm learning because I am like that too. You know, I, I know that there's no such thing as perfection, but I'm going to work as hard as I can to get close to it, you know, but I watch my husband sometimes and the things that he does that I might've told him that they should be done differently. He's got his own thing, his own style. You know, my, I'm thinking, right. I have to cook these fresh meals and make sure there's organic vegetables. He'll make my children. It's a ramen noodle soup. He heats up a hot water kettle, breaks up the noodles really small. Like a, it's like a gourmet meal here for the two little ones. They love it. The older one too. So I would have never thought to do that. And I might've told him like, Oh, well there's no vegetables in that. Or there's no, let them do their own thing because it works. You just have to let go of that. It's not the need for power. It's not the need for controlling all the aspects. It is deep down a rooted sense of fear, I think. And like we discussed, guilt. If I am supposed to be doing all of this and I'm not doing it, at least making sure that when it's being done, it's being done right, which there is no such thing. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just... Remembering all the all the times that I don't know, maybe a mom will say, "Hey, uh, please tidy up your room," and then okay, you didn't do it how you're supposed to do it, so I do it again. And then sometimes kids are like, "Okay, I won't do it because you're going to do it anyways." And it's very hard to let go on the style on the things that you want to do. But yes, they have a different style because we're different people. That's because of that. It's not even because of gender. It's because uh, there is less time and less pressure maybe to learn some things, but they learn others. Uh, there's some some men, for example, that are not used to hold their kids. So when they do it, they're always afraid they're going to drop them. Uh, but women have that fear too, but sometimes they don't share it because how can I think that I'm a mom? But men will say, no, you take it because I'm going to drop it. Um, we are like, yeah, yeah, yes. So we grab them. But it's like, okay, no, you can do it. But sometimes, and this is the other thing, is that sometimes um, women feel they become moms of their husbands or partners because of that. Okay, I will teach you how to do this. Okay, teach me. Mm -hmm. So it's like a fourth kid. I don't know if that happened to you or it's a different experience. Of course, of course. And, you know, I speak with other moms and you kind of joke about it. You know, you always include the husband in the kid count, you know. And it, it's on lots of different levels. Like I said, it's preparing all the meals, you know, and then you're the one serving the meals and you have all everybody sitting at the table. It does feel that way. Um, and you, that's a good point, you know, in the teaching aspect, you know. And for me too, and in retrospect, looking back at some of the resentment, it, it's feeling like, well, you're an adult too. Why do I have to teach you? And maybe we don't have to. Sometimes just saying you have to figure it out on your own is good enough for someone to figure it out on their own, which I'm now learning, you know, at this stage in life, you know, that thought process of you have to teach somebody everything or show them everything. I don't, you, I can tell you, you know what, you can figure it out without me. And that did come from some backlash, right? Of being a know-it-all. And I know everything and I do everything perfectly. So, so you do it. I don't want to do everything, you know, but I also don't want to at this point have to teach everything. And the same way I learned a lot of things by myself, you're capable. You just have to want to do it. So sometimes not throwing your hands up, like you don't care, but you know what? I don't also have to teach you. You can actually teach yourself. It's not a bad idea. And it's also about leaving space for that to happen. We are going to put our eyes there, but, but yeah. You can leave a little space to see what happens. And of course, in case of anything risky, 
we are going to be there anyways. We are almost reaching the, the last minutes and time flies always in this podcast. But I wanted to ask you if you wanted to share, if I ask your kids, so the 14-year-old, five and three, how will they describe their mom? What do you think they will say about how are you as a mom to them? I think that I think that I'm so proud that you asked that question and I already know what to say, right? Because, you know, Mother's Day was right around the corner. So I have a beautiful card from my 14-year-old. And it's hard because at this stage in motherhood too, you know, I have to parent them differently. My mom is the mother of three as well. The same breakdown. She has two girls and a boy. I'm the oldest, the same way my oldest is the oldest girl. But she used to say, you know, you can't treat all of your children the same because they are different. They're all different as individuals. And it's hard as a child to understand that. But as a, an adult and as a mother, now I see. So I think my 14-year-old would refer to me as someone who is very understanding. You know, I'm a friend, but with boundaries. I'm a friend in the sense that my door is always open. You can come and you can talk to me. She doesn't have to have the fear of mom being like an outside entity. It's like the person that she can go to. Um, and I'm pulling this from the card. I'm not just tooting my own horn. Um, you know, someone that's there to support her no matter what, you know, without judgment and kind of guide her the best way that I can. Um, my five-year-old, she's she's crying herself to sleep now because it's she has to cuddle with me. I'm just so warm and I'm so loving, right? So she, I think, gets that, like, she calls herself my twin and she is. She's my same personality way beyond her little years. So I think she would kind of, you know, refer to me more as like the, the loving style, very hands-on, very emotional, very affectionate with her. And my son, I mean, he's like my little husband. He's um he's the only boy and he's the baby. So he's, you know, he thinks he's my little protector and I treat him like that too. You know, he he he's kind of like the, the little man of the house. So I think he would say the same thing. I think we try to parent our children in a way that was different than what we received. You take the good if you're smart enough. And then the things that you did not like, you make sure you don't pass on. So I think that's something that, you know, if you wished as a kid, you got more hugs, you hug your children a little tighter. You know, if as a 13 year old, I wish I wasn't scared to talk to my mom, or I wish I had a friend I could talk to, I make that open door policy, not because I want to hear all of these things or not that I'm cool with them, but I want her to have that as a resource. Uh, and I think that that's how they would see me at this point as someone who is loving, affectionate. I'm selfless. You know, I do everything I can for them, but I'm also, you know, there's no, there's no pushover here. You have to, you know, do what you have to do. So I think that, you know, they would see me as that way, but the most important thing would be open door policy, someone that they can come to and get whatever they need. I love that you're also quoting the, the, the actual cards. It's very lovely to see how they feel about you and that you, they actually express it in their unique ways, of course being 14 or being three. And, and another thing that I wanted to say to, to start wrapping up is that we are always editing also our own memories. So like you mentioned, you have a 14-year-old daughter, she's going to be 15 soon, and you start thinking, how was I when I was 15 or 14? How was my relationship with my mom or with my dad or with other people from my life? Do I want her to experience that kind of relationship? Do I want her to experience a different one? Can I teach her that? Because maybe if I didn't have it, I'm improvising all the time. 
And it's very unique because maybe when she's uh, older, she will say, yeah, my mom hugged me a lot. So I'm not going to have my kids that much. So it's like we are always trying to edit the things that we like, the things that we didn't, and also to understand, because of course she's going to understand more things when she's older. Uh, I wanted to ask you one last question. So if there's any person that's listening to us and they want to get a little bit more information of what you do when you coach, when you are a goal strategist, what can what can they they get with you? Like, are they going to have private sessions? Are they going to have a, a group therapy thing? And where can they contact you, of course? So howmanyhats.com is the best way to reach me. That's my website. And then you kind of have access to everything. So in a sense, the different offerings, there is personal coaching, which consists of goal setting assessments, where we look at your goals, do a deep dive into what you want as an individual. And then the second part to that is the goal achievement planning. So actually mapping out all the steps, giving you an action plan that's tailored to you and your needs um, to help you fulfill that. And then some follow-ups because accountability, you know, is key um, in making sure that people are able to see their goals and, and the hard work come to fruition. Then there's business consulting services that are up. And that's for if you have a business plan in place or you run a business or you want to run a business and you need help with social media marketing, your branding, things like that, you can book sessions that way as well. But the easiest way is to just go to howmanyhats.com and you can click learn more and it'll put you directly to my email and we can speak about things one-on-one. -on -one. And if I have it correctly, it's hats with a C. Z, yes. Why is with a Z? Very funny story. So um, very simple. When I wanted to start the inspirational page, I thought, you know, we wear all these different hats as, as women. We are always constantly juggling. And S was taken as a, a Instagram handle. So I put Z and that was available. And then someone asked me, like, what, what is how many hats? Why the Z? And at that point, okay, I have to make it make sense because it's deeper than that. So as women, we do it all from A to Z, from the accountant to what sometimes feels like the zookeeper, right? So that's why I left it because it, it still it still works. So it's like the name find you. Yeah, the, it did. It was not available. But then I realized, you know, we do it all from A to Z. So why not end that way? In On Instagram is how line many line hats with a Z. Yes. Excellent. Mm -hmm. And it's only for women? Uh, it's only in, in English or? It's only in English because unfortunately I grew up in a home where my father did not speak Spanish. So I speak fluent Spanglish. But um, as far as content is created, it's all in English. Um, but uh, I did want, I want to stay true to what my intention was. And that was to make sure that other women knew that they can continue to pursue these professional and personal goals. So I do like to primarily work with women on the coaching front. But if it's, you know, business related as far as branding or social media marketing, I'm open to working with men as well. Perfect. Important to, to point that out because being also an entrepreneur or being a parent is not only something for women and also women that don't have kids or maybe they're thinking of, they also can consult with you. So thank you so much for your time. You're, she's wearing a beautiful blue shirt. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> and I know that she also has a lot of things to do today. Uh, so I wanted to thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really love that I bound into your Instagram as well. So let's keep in touch. And thank you again. And very lovely to see that your kids very appreciate how their mom is now and all the doubts that you had. The most important thing for kids is to feel that their parents are a safe place and they are not that distressed 
So if you help the parents, you are actually helping the kids a lot, even more if you're only helping the kids. Yeah. So continue with your work. We need more of that. Right. Thank you so much. Again, thank you for the invitation. This was a beautiful, you know, I believe in the universe. I believe in God. I believe it was a beautiful connection when it was meant to happen. So I appreciate you inviting me to share a little bit about something that I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with. Yeah, definitely. For anyone that's listened to us, this is the second season of the podcast. So you still have a lot of other episodes that you can check out. And please follow Lelia on Instagram as well. That was San Incertidumbre, a podcast about mental health, self-care, and life itself with Francisca Venegas. We invite you to participate in our social media at San Incertidumbre on Instagram and be part of the conversation.